Hello and welcome to the final Marvel Wrap episode. It's been 20 episodes. We've done 20 episodes on every Marvel movie and every TV series as well. Uh, it's been chronological. We've done it. It's all been in preparation for the Avengers Endgame. And we're now here. We've all seen it at least twice. Um, and we're, we're ready to talk about it. My name is Simon Collum. I'm a writer and podcaster and fan of the MCU. But I am supported by our own... Uh, ancient one that seemed like a that sound, that sounded like a better idea in my I head before i, I said it, it. I it's more it, it's more a tilda swinton reference rather than yeah, an old person reference I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with either i'm happy with either hearing that some some viewers of these movies were in high school when the first avengers came out it was made me definitely feel like the ancient one i'll tell you that <laughs> i'm so sorry i, I feel so bad <laughs> I was like, I was convinced. I was like thinking, oh, Sabina's going to love this film, the Swinton reference. And then as soon as I, I was like, this is bad. This is bad. I love it though, Simon. Go with it. Okay, <laughs> I don't cool. care. There I we go. Uh, you thank you. How are you doing, Sabina? Anyway, are you well? I'm good, thank you. I'm sad that this is all over, but what a way to go out. That's And that's we're going to get into it now, and I'm looking forward to getting into it with... Uh, yeah, with with you two that have stuck around for we've stuck around for this for quite a while, and it's uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, and uh, then we have our own new Captain America. We have Amon Warman. <laughs> I will take it. I will accept. <laughs> Thank you, Mister Rogers. I will do my best. How how are you feeling? Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very very excited to talk about this movie. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I, I've, I've got a certain scene we're playing over and over and over again in my head. Um, and I can't wait to discuss it. Good stuff. Okay, we're, we're on Twitter at Marvel Rap. We can be emailed at marvelrappodcast at gmail.com. Uh, this is the Endgame episode. Let's just throw it out there. It's the Endgame episode. We're talking Endgame. Here it is. Avengers Endgame was released on Thursday the 25th of April 2019 and so far in literally less than a week it's taken 1.2 billion dollars worldwide. Uh, Just to put in perspective how much money that is, um, Captain America Civil War took 1.153 billion. In its opening weekend? No, no, no. Oh, in total? Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And in fairness, I don't know about you guys, but... The entire the, the the busyness of cinemas um, is kind of mind blowing. I saw it at four p.m. on Friday, and it was like sold out screening. Like, mm. and then I saw it last night again. It was sold out, and it's just ridiculous. I saw the press screening on the Tuesday, and then I I returned from LA on the Thursday. Kind of actually got home Thursday afternoon after sixteen odd hours of travel. So, but I'd already booked my ticket for for the Sunday for for like yesterday. Having hopefully you know willing you know had seen it the once which I had, um, and yesterday I saw it in 
Birmingham, we do have an IMAX screen in the Cineworld, and that was the fullest I've ever seen seen the cinema. Um, I don't think the screen was sold out for eleven forty, but I mean screens in Birmingham don't get sold out. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's mind boggling the way AMC in America have had to um, they've had to push other films to accommodate 24-hour screenings for this movie. Um, wow, wow. Websites, I think the Odeon in the UK, their website crashed at one point when the tickets went on sale. Everything um, like, crashed. Everywhere crashed. Atom, I, do, I think Atom tickets weren't too bad, but Fandango crashed. Um, just the sheer volume of people, even people I've, I've, I've heard not necessarily interested in the MCU have been... Uh, been kind of their ears are perked up and they've said well hang on a sec we I feel like I want to see this film now because it, it's become such a cultural point in our lives that everyone's been talking about literally it's all been leading up to this and I don't think anybody wants to be left out of the conversation well as, as a teacher who teaches the kids literally of the age which is a target yeah. market um there were a few kids who'd seen it on thursday night and it was like come on guys you have to did, <laughs> you carefully... put, did you put a sign up on the on the i didn't put, i didn't put, seen that with a lot of teachers and i think that is the sort of teacher i would be because you know obviously we're a similar age so in all honesty yeah. from my perspective you make yourself a target doing stuff like that literally yeah. you're waiting for somebody to run in and just shout it out at yeah. you so I was a more of the mindset like oh come on guys let's not talk yeah. about this now <laughs> but I think it was my I think my 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 mum said she heard someone her colleague heard someone on the bus who had just see her just seen the film and was like I can't talk about it on the because I'm on the bus so i think people are being quite i think that some people are being very very considerate of other people i think yeah. i think because we all feel if we had waited this long for a movie we weren't able to go on opening night we don't you know we would do all we could to shield ourselves from it and i think it's quite nice that some people are being very respectful other people don't care other people are, are like that case you know that guy shouted it out and then got kicked and punched and which was huge it seemed to say insane. by multiple fans by yeah, multiple that's fans. insane that is insane um if i were to tell you that you know if, if, if i were one of the people who was born in that situation i wouldn't have a violent reaction i'm not sure that would be me telling the truth um <laughs> so so yeah um because yeah as you directly alluded to this is 11 years worth of storytelling, a combination of all of that, and, you know, it's permeated pop culture in such a way that the this is, you know, I'm sure when all is, when all is said and done, um, it will definitely be the biggest film of all time. So to spoil something mm. like that um, in that way as you're coming out of the cinema, it's, it's unacceptable. And, uh, what do you think? What do you think before? I mean, we're going to get into it really quickly. I I, I do appreciate that. Um, what do you think has made this particular? Like, I always think that the films which are enormous, like these giant behemoths that just capture everybody's imagination, have like a bigger. There's, it's tapping into something bigger than just being a good movie. Um, my, what, what do you think? Do you think there's any reason? that why people are drawn to these so much and in particular this one i think it's the 
this bit, I think it's just even the charm of the actors. Um, just you've got such a a good group of people who obviously do get on in in their personal lives and who have gone through eleven years through every film. Um, and we have become like quite emotionally. Well, I know I have very emotionally attached to these characters. So they're just a kind. Of, so in your eyes, it's just a kind of escapism I think it's, I think to it's, go to this I think lovely a, world with people you like. Basically. I think it's a combination of like the the actor's ability. I think it's a combination of the writing, and I think it's a combination to hit on certain points um, with characters with dialogue, with with the state of whatever's going on at our sociological time that we can all relate to in some capacity. Um, there are certain things that just strike emotional chords with us. I've it's 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 escapism to a point, but I think also I think it's something that we can heroic quality that little kids want to aspire to be. And I think when you're an adult you can say, well I either used to feel that way or I still feel that way or I'm still striving to feel that way. And I just think it's a, a combination of, of various factors. What about you, Amon? What do you think has made this just so crazy? Uh, I think Sabina is 100% right in everything that she just said. Um, I, would only, I would only add to that this, is, this has earned a special stature because it's the first to really do it on this scale. And, yes. you know, watching the movie for the first time um, and watching the final act play out and it dawned on me again when you're watching the end credits and you're seeing all the signatures. And then in the days since I've watched it, it's dawned on me even more. And what has dawned on me is that this will never happen again. That second time it really hit me hard that that's it. Yeah, I mean, it just it just won't. And... You know, I mean, Marvel, I think, are going to attempt to build to something again. But there's a special stature that these series of films, these, the, this Infinity Saga, as they're calling it, um, will get because, you know, it's changed everything. <laughs> it changed, changed the female genre. It changed Hollywood. We have obviously seen, you know, the effect of the, the effect that this franchise has had on Hollywood blockbuster filmmaking and how many studios have tried to do franchises ever since the Avengers in 2012 changed the game. And we've seen how many studios have failed to, to you know, make it work in as successful a manner as the MCU has done it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's why this film is, you know, breaking records. And that's why, that's why this film, people want to go and see it and experience it and really fully appreciate the magnitude of what Marvel have achieved over and over and over again. I agree. I think I think for me, I I think it's something to do with in a world where everything is just so chaotic, there is something so immensely it's like a puzzle which piece by piece uh MCU has kind of put it together and this is like the final piece of the puzzle and it's just worked. And there's something so immensely satisfying mm -hmm. that like with everything else being so chaotic that film after film after film these pieces are just being placed and there's something so immensely there's so it's so cathartic to watch something that is just you know even if it doesn't necessarily work perfectly it works it's and it fits fun. and that and it's still fun and i think when you get to this this is the final piece of the puzzle and it's just like wow there mm -hmm. that there it is you know what i mean it's like a magic trick almost like that's the that's the moment at the end 
So it's been a, it's been an emotional emotional three hours. So if we get into the cold start with Hawkeye, uh, and he's there with his family, I felt that I, I've never been the biggest fan of Hawkeye, and even I was like, okay, this is okay, Clint. You've got it's my scary. Point. It's scary. It's frightening, and you're like, gosh, that is. I'm really, and you know, the panic, that panic that you turn around and your whole world has gone. And I say, well, you know, world his, being his family has disappeared. But but this is the, this opening sequence, the first 15 minutes, is, I mean, the first half an hour, pretty much the vast majority of the trailer is for the, from the first 20 minutes, half an hour. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you, you're missing out. I mean, maybe I'm drawing a false equivalency here, but, but I was just going to say that that, that that cap shaving the beard is, is a cool... Cool way to first show Steve Rogers in this movie. Yeah, but we have, but we, yeah, it's the stance isn't so cruel though. But you, but you you think to yourself, like, how much we were talking about who's going to save Tony and how's that going to come out? And then it's like 10 minutes. Yeah. There he is, back on Earth. He's fine. Thanks, Captain Marvel. Like, it's just. It was so obvious. It was like kind of obvious she was going to do it. And it was like I wanted more of a build up at the same time. I'm pleased it was so quick because then we could get on and show the rest of the movie. In any case, we get we get that. And then they kill. Then they go over. Then Captain Marvel's like, I'm going to go over. Yeah, well, let's go and kill Thanos. And Nebula's there. She's like, yeah, sure. Um, and that amazing confrontation between Tony Stark and Captain America. I mean, that was brilliant. Yeah. It is brilliant, and it's actually the first thing I'm going to criticise the film for, though. Oh! Um, <laughs> uh, 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 I know, I hate Avengers Endgame. Awful, <laughs> awful movie. Um, I really, really like that scene, and, you know, we've discussed on this podcast before, in the wake of Civil War, how Tony and Cap going to repair that relationship. And... That scene hurts to watch in a really, really good way. Very, very well acted. Extremely, yeah. But then sort of, you know, maybe 25 movie minutes later, um, we we get Tony handing Cap his shield as they prepare to go on this time heist. And it's a nice moment. Um, and obviously it's soundtracked by, uh, it's the first time we hear Anon Silvestri's Captain America score in this film. And that sort of lends the moment added wait but i wanted i was really excited to see how tony and cap would work their way back and i don't think that moment is as satisfying because you know i think tony has the line saying that you know resentment is not a good look on me and 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 cap agrees that I, i wanted more um i think if if we had seen the process of forgiveness that tony had goes on rather than rather than just being presented with it i think the moment when they reconcile would have been a thousand times more satisfying than it actually is. I, I, I'm kind of the other camp. I really liked the way I thought when Tony is saying, you know, um, I, I needed you, I needed you. And, and I could, you know, that panic, he was like, I, I, and, and I think even that was desperation in itself that you knew he was on the verge of saying, you know, you could see there were times when he wanted to say more and he just couldn't. It was like when he was handing Cap over the shield um, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I I love that scene. Yeah. Oh, man, I mean, that scene is great. You just wanted but more. The, 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 the scene, I mean, the, the next time they see, or, or sort of, you know, they obviously they go to Tony's house, um, and then when Tony comes back to the mansion or to, to the Avengers base, they mm. basically reconcile at that point. 
and we haven't really the you know it's not brought up again. And you think about how many you know how 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 much time you know we've spent to trying to you know, predict how they're going to reconcile that relationship, and how much import but that civil war put on that relationship and, and the frame of that relationship in particular, I wanted there to be a process that we see before, um, you know, Tony gives Steve back his shield. I kind of feel that they had like a kind of mutual understanding. I feel that they, they are kind, even though they've been estranged, they are two friends who know each other what each other's workings kind of thing and they know what makes the other one tick and I think there were times you know they were just like looking to say I I know I know and it's like when you look at something like, you understand what they're they're saying so I think they didn't need to say everything they needed to say and that's my my thoughts and so then of course we've got um Thor and he kills Thanos in a nice little so- drunk chunky Thor Gotta gotta give it. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't got to that yet. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm gonna I didn't. I mean, that that moment he killed Thanos, I thought was awesome. I thought yeah. was a really and the whole setup being that they kill him. I think without getting into it um, too much, I do think there is that undercurrent about uh, the consequence of. Like, that he killed him after the act and there and yet that didn't like it's like the death penalty isn't it and like, i don't think like and it's clearly like that didn't solve anything like he's still thor obviously we see feels worse about it and it doesn't solve the problem that thanos created that thanos did anyway yeah. so it's such a uh, that's how i felt with regards to i think yeah, the sense of it even when he speaks to frigga later about it you get that sense that he knows that just killing him was that wasn't necessarily the solution, though. Obviously, it, it, I guess it needed to be done. That was just me. I, I thought there was an element of that, but I thought it was. I was completely unexpected. Did you find it unexpected, Amon, or did you see that coming? Ultimately, I um, thought that at some point Thor was going to do that. I didn't think that would happen until much later in the movie. But it was a very smart decision to do that, that to do it that way because it immediately. No, that's a whole, that's an entire movie's worth of storytelling in 20 minutes. You've got some Avengers going into space for the mm. first time. You've got them meeting, you know, Captain Marvel, more or less. I should really stop calling her Captain Marvel because she's never called Captain Marvel and she probably won't ever be called Captain Marvel in the MCU. Um, but it was, it was unexpected. And then obviously it, it goes from that into the five years later title card, which drew audible gasps from the oh, movie yeah. both times and deservedly so. Um, cause we, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't expect a time jump of that magnitude either. So I liked that it started to start us off that way and sort of wrong footed us in a really clever way. Well, I got to admit, I mean, I think they've structured this, um, whole film expertly. Um, you've got, I mean, cause there's a, there's an element of you could, ha- these could be three separate films and that whole period of five years later and seeing the fallout from that and people getting on with their lives and trying to like, that was an, a, a world I wanted to stay in. And I was thankful that we stayed in it for a long enough period to get a sense of things, to get a sense of what's going on with the Avengers, to get, you know, to see all the individual characters and how they're having to deal with it and all that type of thing. I found that so engaging as a setup point and, and yet 
obviously that's only a third of the movie. That was great. And I loved the fact, I, I loved, Nat essentially was running running the Avengers for five years. She was the one maintaining the base. She was the one keeping in contact with everyone while Cap was probably still in his flat because obviously he wasn't living there. He came in um, during that scene. And you, but you see her obviously yeah. speaking to all the, you know, um, and, like, and Carol and and um, you know, Rhodey and Rocket, yeah. So outside of, um, well, Okoye, we see that's like one of two times we yeah. see her, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, we don't see her. It's a bit of a shame. Which is a shame. I, I kind of wanted more of her. I do. I always want more of her. I think she's fantastic. Um, I, but again, I do understand how this was kind of the 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 original six's final film and i think they wanted to keep it as tightly you know with those characters and maybe someone like paul rudd paul rudd scott lang who's very he can he's a bit more flexible with who he maybe interacts with a would probably not stand for any of their any of the boys's um you know silliness um i i did i did hear how that that very brief moment though when okoye talk, talks about is it an earthquake under yes, the sea or something yes. that apparently that's something to do with something yes. that is basically the keys to namor uh and atlantis um and as as i believe i mentioned in the black panther podcast in the comics black panther and namor have beef I don't think Marvel are going to wait too much longer to introduce their version of Atlantis now that Aquaman has become a thing uh, and a very profitable thing at that. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, would, I would not be surprised um, that when we get the Phase 4 announcement in the next couple of months, uh, I would not be surprised if we hear Namor's name in the mix. And do, do we like uh, Captain Marvel's haircut? She looks damn good, yeah. I like, I like it too. She looks yeah. very much like she does in the comics, and I obviously think they would go in with that for that look for um for this movie. I think she looks great. I dig it. It's yeah. really good. I know people who don't though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then we get Scott Lang comes back, and he's got his he's obviously in, he's back into the world and all that kind of stuff. Let's give it up for the hero of Endgame, the rat who crawled on the dash and triggered the sensor that worked that released the quantum round that woke up Scott Lang. So um, yeah, got to give it up for that rat that finally opened up the quantum realm. And then we had the cameo from Ken Jeong as well, yes. from uh, Community as well, which is nice. Star of he's in all the Hangover films, and here he is, doesn't even say a word. I don't mind that. Um, I see again, like when through his eyes we see him, like you know, running around that you know very interesting kind of San Francisco memorial. You know, this is the type of thing I found really like. Wow, this world has got these things, you know what I mean? Like because of course they would, you know. And then he's looking for his daughter, and and then the, when he speaks to that boy on the bike, and the bikes, and he just cycles off. And I don't know. I really enjoyed this. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you enjoy a enjoy lot of that? Is maybe not the right word, um, but I appreciated it. Uh, I know that some people, some some of the reviews that I've read, have sort of called the opening act slow. But I don't mind. I mean, if that's slow, I, I, I don't necessarily mind. I don't necessarily mind slow if the character work is as compellingly done as it, as it, as it is here. And you know, Paul Rudd, who does some of his best work um, in this movie, as far as I'm concerned, is really, really great because not only 
can he not emotional scenes at the park? Like when when he reunites with his daughter, who's now obviously five years older, that is the acting in that sequence is it's one of the most strongly acted scenes in the movie. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. But there's an everyman quality that he brings uh, to the movie, uh, which really really works playing off against everybody else because he's in the, he's in the presence of icons for a lot of the movie. If Paul Rudd is not sort of as you know heavily focused on in this movie, in that especially in that opening ninety, the that then that first act has the potential to just be too heavy and gloomy because as a I mean Marvel have mastered being able to be still dark but with still having moments of levity levity sprinkled throughout, and Paul Rudd is the um, who, who's, who's given a lot of the material when it comes to that, and it really really works. Mm, yeah um but then of course we get to the point where we're talking about time travel um did you did you buy it were you there <laughs> i like my brain and when i think about the time travel in this movie my brain begins to hurt and so i stop thinking about time travel honestly it, it, it doesn't yeah i think if you really it's a time travel movie there's always going to be plot holes um and even though the film tries to explain its rules um, there are so many, I've been talking about this film with so many people and most of the questions we've been having about this film have to do with time travel and, um, you know, why, why is this happening? If this is happening and shouldn't she be dead if this happened and all that sort of stuff. If, um, you really dive into it, um, I don't think it holds up, but with all that said, I don't much care. <laughs> Yeah, it works. It works for what it is. And I think it's like you say, if we think about it too much, we'll we'll go crazy just, you know, thinking of thinking of all the plot holes and, and the and idiosyncrasies and the and whatever. But I love when they're discussing movies and they reference Hot Tub Time Machine, which Sebastian Stan is yeah. actually in. So <laughs> that was a, that was quite funny. Um, you know. Well, oh, um, we've 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 completely skipped over the opportunity to talk about Fat Thor. Oh, and Hulk and <laughs> Professor Hulk and Hulk, and Hulk, and Hulk of course, Hulk. yeah. Again, wow. I was really, I'm going to have fantastic. to be the killjoy here. I think Fat Thor works, but only up to an extent, and then it becomes a distraction. I think no. I, obviously, obviously, <laughs> it's adorable. You know, the, the reveal of Fat Thor is you know a very funny, entertaining moment, and. You have to admire Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth's commitment to the beat is impressive. He's an incredible comedian. He is insanely I've good. I've noticed that comedy. for you know, ever since I first first saw. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really the, the, his performance is entertaining in, on many on on many different scenes. But I remember watching the movie in the press screening and skipping ahead just a few scenes, but. When the Avengers are mourning the death of uh, Natasha, people are chuckling when the pan- camera pans to Thor because of Thor's appearance. No, that's really bad. That's bad. We, exactly. Yeah, I did, I, we didn't have that. It's because, it's because it's a distraction after a point. I think eventually, when Thor is, you know, in action and 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 doing sort of action stuff, and he's got his sort of you know more more of a classical Thor demeanor about him, then we finally sort of transcend uh, his appearance, but there are scenes, um, especially you know, the one again that sticks out is the, the scene when they get Benji's in morning Natasha, and there definitely chuckles when there shouldn't have been chuckles. So I do think it was a distraction at times, but it was, it's really, really well acted. And I really, uh, between um, Ragnarok 
Infinity War and the Endgame, Hemsworth has done a really good job at, at portraying Thor to his, you know, absolute limit when it comes to his bravado, which is his mask, and him being vulnerable. And and there are multiple sequences. I mean, the, the, for me, his standout scene in this film is when um, he's talking with his mother. Mm. But by the way, Rene Russo comes yes. back, which is great. Awesome. Um, and she gets more to do in, or well, she feels feel like she has more to do. I know, she, I know she has more lines in this movie than in Thor and in Thor The Dark World combined, which is actually insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, that that scene is really, really powerful and really, really well acted. I loved, I love that scene. I love seeing Rene Russo back. I didn't, I, I can say like at the press screening I went to and at the public screening I went to, people obviously with the reveal, people were laughing and chuckling, but then I don't think people were chuckling at all when it was um, after Natasha had died. Um, I think it's just great to see this character that I said in like the earlier episodes of this pod that I... I was never that enamoured by Thor at first because I found him to be too much of bravado and not enough of a character, not enough of a um, a person. I just thought he was just muscle. And it was when we get into Ragnarok that he has more of a personality. He's funny, he's, you know, he's sweet. And I think in this one they just push it that bit more because he's dealing with you know, you can see he's depressed. He thinks he is killing Thanos would be his remedy, but it's not. And I just think there's a tend, as you say, there's a tenderness about him. And well, Chris Hemsworth did. Um, he recent there was recently revealed that after the sec after Thor: The Dark World, he was contemplating giving up this playing this character because he was saying, "Well, you know, I'm what am I doing? Like, there is nothing, no substance to this character." And I think what they've done in the past few years with Thor with Chris Hemsworth's ability is just um, elevate him into someone who's who's such a good-hearted god you can say um and as you said the scenes with with Frigga are, are lovely they're they're really really wonderful and um it's just their just their relationship playing out on screen again. Um, I think with 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 Thor, I think it's great to see the the fact that it'll be great to have this history of him, hmm. where he's gone from being who he was in those first two films, and how it changes. Yeah. And of course, he's set up for the future too. So, like, I think this is going to be a fascinating character to have gone through all these changes so often that'll be a lot of fun she says that to him she says you know you don't have to be the person who people expect you to be just be who you are and I think that's that's one of the loveliest things about that scene she's saying you know don't try so hard (laughs) you know you don't have to be this people don't have to put you on a pedestal just do the best you can and Mm. which has consequences at the end of the movie um as we will get into I only have one other criticism of that scene um, and you know, the first time I watched it, I was just very, very, very excited and very, very, very hyped uh, to see Mjolnir in Thor's hand again. But Thor is not a good king, um, to put it mildly. He's and, not. He's not. And basically, I'm not sure if he is worthy in that moment. Even though the fact that he's he's, he's able to summon Mjolnir. The film wants you to think that he's worthy, but at the same time, we've seen how awful the king is. We've seen how seen what an awful state that he's in. It's interesting, basically, that 
you know, the film still the film still deems him to be worthy, even though we've seen him at his lowest point, like not 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 minutes before that sequence takes place. I think it's a, there's a funny thing when people talk about um, Captain America and Mjolnir and without getting into the scene, which we'll, I'm sure we will get into <laughs> that in a moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the, obviously people would argue, you know, could could Captain America have, could he have picked it up in Age of Ultron? Or at that point, for example, he hadn't told Tony yeah. about uh, Bucky. So maybe that was the thing that stopped him from being you know, from being able to pick it up. But I, I, yeah, but I, but this is what I'm saying. I think, you know, that if anything shows that however flawed Captain America was, and obviously how flawed Thor is in here, um, their good heart or whatever, however you want to define that is what Milner kind of goes to. And I guess in that respect, both of them had it intact and it would probably say that Captain America could have picked it up at that point, but decided not to, which is, you know, telling onto itself. I think he was, itself, Thor you know? was only able to pick it up after he had talked to his mother. I think if he had tried before he talked to Frigga, I don't know if, if the Milner would have um, come to him. So it would have been interesting to see if 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 he'd tried beforehand, if if it still would have worked. Professor uh, Professor Hulk, then. Um, uh, here's a thought about for, for Professor Hulk. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about all the, uh, you know, the old guard who are all kind of put out to pasture t- in some respect uh, at the end of this film. Uh, do you think that, because wh- where is Professor Hulk going to go if he can do that? Is there any conflict left for Bruce Banner slash Hulk? And therefore, will there be any need for him in future films, there, or there's is, tons of stuff they can do it, with the Hulk. Yet. I I expect them to introduce She-Hulk in Phase Four, and they yes. could definitely do some stuff with Hulk and She-Hulk uh, when it comes to that. Um, but in terms of okay. Professor Hulk, again, Marvel is great. The effects work on him is great. Um, the voice work as well. The manager performance in CGI with that character is sensational. Again, it's, it's, I have a similar issue with it um, in, in the same way that we miss the process when it comes to the reconciliation of Iron Man and Cap. We miss the process uh, when it comes to how Hulk has evolved. Um, and, you know, this is definitely, I guess this is more about me than about the film because obviously in Infinity War, Hulk is beaten uh, by Thanos, and one of the things which I was looking forward to in, Aven- in, in, in Endgame going into it was that rematch, and to see so you know the um, Hulk and Bruce accept sort of each other, and I guess that they have done that now. But again, it's something which I would have liked to have seen, and I get that. I get why we don't. I mean, you know, the, the Marvel movies being what they are, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of character moments which we miss. Uh, in between the movies because they're just too small and this movie has so much going on, it just needs to keep it moving. But that would have been something which I would have liked to have seen, basically. Mm. He's a lot of fun. I did. I, I liked him. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I, I think I'm think i more in the camp with you, Amon, regarding Thor. I think, you know, when you first see him, it's like, oh, yeah, that's great, funny. But then I think after a while, I'm a bit like, come on, you know, become, become the Thor I know, please. <laughs> but um, I was, but I think I was sure at some point, I don't know how, but I was sure at some point that he was going to get buff again. Um, mm. and I like that was that never happened. But I think with Professor Hulk, I could, I, I could, I, he was fine for the duration of the film. I didn't, I didn't have the same 
kind of wish for him to kind of become anything other than that. That was fine. I mean, I guess he was fighting at the end. That's why that you was... expect you expect Thor to you expect him to do that, and he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. And fair play, let him be chunky. That's what. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. What let him I, eat well, the bread. You know, I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, should we talk about what is it going back to um, the first Avengers <laughs> film? This is where, oh, just on a side yeah. note, you know, people who are do who are watching them all, just like we are, it, it all paid off, hasn't it? You know, what I mean, even even watching Thor: The Dark World, which I'm pretty sure some people would have been like, I'm not going to watch that one because that's the rubbish one, and we, we watched, watched it, and it all paid <laughs> off. <laughs> but it was amazing going back to New York, New York, yes. 2012. That was great. It was fun. huge fun. That whole play yes. was um play by play scene. Oh, fantastic. It's just so it was so good to see um you know, obviously to Paul Rudd there, to see Loki there, to see <laughs> Cap fighting two thousand twelve version of himself. I could do you know, with that that inimitable line, you know, I could do this all day. Yeah, yeah, okay, I know. Um wonderful. <laughs> the ass of America. The America's also, ass. Yeah, it is. It is America's ass. We also see Sabina Stent starring as uh, the ancient one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, what a dream to have that rooftop with all those plans. I was like, oh my god, that's bliss. I, where's yeah? I want to go Bleecker Street. <laughs> I, I was so um, happy. That I was, you know, I like Tilda Swinton a lot in uh, yeah. Doctor Strange, but and but ultimately she dies in Doctor Strange. So when she was there, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I was so, yeah. I, I was so happy. <laughs> I think, and I think putting her with Bruce was really, really good. I think that they were, you know, their conversation was very good. Um, I don't think it would have been as effective if it maybe had been any of the other team. Hmm. Um, maybe Nat, but not any of the other guys. Um, and I think, in a way, in some respects, I think what what he what Banner does in that scene is make even the audience aware say, ah, so you're going to do that, are you? And it's like, yeah, we're going to return them to the exact same moment, the, the stones, we're going to return them to the exact same moment because otherwise the convergence of time or... It's a valid attempt hmm. to explain time travel, yeah. but again, as I say, if you really think about it, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's time travel. Uh, well, I appreciate the effort. Yeah, I, I, I liked. I liked. I mean, I I liked the way they just like the whole. You know, well, it's what what happens next is still the future in your time, and that's all that matters. And I was like, yeah, I kind of buy that. I kind of get that. Yeah. And I think even yeah. even right down to the old um, old man Steve Rogers at the end, I even feel like that. I do think that works. I think you hear Hulk say, um, "What did he say? He, he missed his timestamp." So yeah. of course he was supposed to go back at a certain time. I, you know, it just wonder like on their um, wrists or whatever thing. Do they have a thing where they can change when they go back or when they return? They obviously. I think go- they do because because yeah. when Tony and Steve were going to New Jersey, they were they were inputting the date. They yeah. were like oh four exactly. oh five, you know, nineteen seventy or whatever it was. Um, no, no, I was going to say. I just realised we also forgot about uh, Ronan. Or um, Hawkeye's Clint's new life in Tokyo, and that that didn't last very long, did it? Because no. um, when he comes back, he's back with his bow and arrow. Um, but that's why I have a bit of an issue with with Hawkeye was that what he was doing. I don't think the the final the act that stunning sequence on um, um, on Volmir Volmir. Um, that's how you say it, um, paid off. Like in, I, I personally don't think the right person 
needed to atone. <laughs> I, I know. I'm yeah. just I just feel that I can under I can see why she did it, but personally I think Clint was killing like vigilantes. He was killing, just going off killing anyone because his family had been taken. She had been running them them boys for five years. She'd been running the team. She had been she had she had she had a lot of red in her ledger. She yeah, but so did he. Look at all the blood he had been spilling. Um I find it I found that character death extremely, extremely um unfair. Heartbreaking. Unfair, unfair because heartbreaking and unfair because I think she is as as other people who um other friends of mine have I've had conversations with over the the years and they've always said Nat is the backbone of that team she was the one who went with Steve to end Peggy's funeral she has been the one who's been you know by she was the one who kind of with Hawkeye all the way through. Um, you know, she'll do anything for her best friend, and she you, would kill herself for her best friend. When you saw that, um, yeah. and this is something I think we should just go around and reveal. I, uh, for me, I had no idea what was going to happen. I, no. was, I was completely of the mindset that you know, if he died, it would be you know for his family, and that would be an arc yeah. itself. And then obviously, if she died, you know that would work too. But I didn't have any idea who was going to die. Having no. said that, my wife was convinced she was going to die, uh, and my co-host on my other podcast, um, Joe, he was like, "Oh, she was. It was definitely going. It was obvious it was going to be her." But I was definitely not feeling that way. What about you, Sabrina? I was shocked. I was shocked. Did you have any I, idea? No, not at you, all. But so I, when I, they I, were fighting, when they were fighting, what did you think was going to happen? Did you? I, I didn't know what to think. I was like, "What? What the hell? What? What?" I thought, to be honest, I thought they would both go at one point. I was like, "Are they both going to go off?" <laughs> that would have been problematic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is going to happen?" Because I was like, "Are they both going to die? Is one of the? Are they both going to walk?" I just didn't know what to think. I was. What about yourself, Amon? Did you have one have an idea one way or the other? I thought. I mean, I. Thought- I thought it was going to be Black Widow because you open the movie with Hawkeye and his family. Yeah, um, because of that, you have to end the movie with Hawkeye and his family. And so I did think it was going to be Black Widow. Although in the moment, it still surprised me because not only is Black Widow an OG Avenger, she's the mm-hmm. only female Avenger, yeah. the, only, the only female OG Avenger. And when they have that woman of the MCU team up in the final act, her absence is definitely felt. Yeah, we'll get into that scene afterwards, but yeah. Um, but the more <laughs> I think about it, the more I think it works. Because, you know, even though she doesn't make it to the end of the movie, that doesn't mean that Natasha's journey ending here is premature. Because think thinking about all the stuff which um, has been alluded to in terms of Natasha's history over the various films... By the way, I think we're I think we're going to get a lot more of that in a solo film, which I assume is a prequel at this point. Budapest, um, we'll see Budapest. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. But her entire her, her entire arc has has been, as you allude to, about um, removing the red from her ledger and knowing a little bit about the character in the comic books. Um, she goes from sort of fighting you know for the wrong side and then fighting for herself to you know, having this family. She has that great scene with Captain America early on. Lovely. Uh, which is the, the most emotional we've ever seen, Nat, which is, you know, an interesting thing to consider given that Nat is very, you know, most of the time very contained with her feelings. And the fact that she has evolved 
to the level where she can be that vulnerable with her friend is just a testament to how much the character has developed and how, how much that family means to her. And the fact that she then dies so that that family can do what they need to do and save the universe is a really beautiful way to tie up her arc, I think. And I, again, I think when, when we get that uh, her solo film, it's going to only add more weight to, to the entire arc. Once, once you sort of step back and look at, look at it in its entirety, I think this. I think that this moment is going to come out looking even more um, satisfying. As you said, I kind of feel like that way when she was talking about, "I've got this family," you know, "I've all, you know, I've finally got it." Exactly as you say, and I think that's what hit me the hardest was that she's finally got the family she's always wanted, and she loves them that much. She's willing to give it all up for them, and I think that was I found incredibly emotional. But see, see, with regards to like, if Clint uh, died there. And I know what you were saying about, well, it started off with the family, so he's got to get the family back. And I and obviously it works as in that arc, but it equally could have worked where exactly. at the end you'd exactly. have seen the family come back and then, you know, the, you know, the Avengers would be like, you know, that. And it's like, that's what it was all for. And that was what all the fight was for, was for bringing yeah. the people back like his family without mm. him necessarily being there. But, but you know, yeah, that's neither here nor there, is it? But I just think... I, I when I was watching it, I was like, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was like, I had my mouth open for the, the whole scene. Going, what? You know, what? I probably did, and I didn't realize. Yeah. Like I was just like, ah. Um, yeah. But uh, so m- meanwhile, of course, we've got Nebula and uh, War Machine, Rhodey, um, hanging out on Morag, um, and that's the whole thing. Where, and then we see Peter Quill dancing just, <laughs> just waxing on the head that was a nice little touch i love that whole idea about you know because you know how often i listen to music on the tube and i'm hearing a song which i love and there's a side of me which wants to kind of just dance and way but you know <laughs> that it's not weird to everybody else nobody wants to see that. <laughs> You haven't seen me dance, Amon, so just, just saying. Just I'm saying. confident in saying <laughs> that I, haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen you run. You haven't seen me dance. So. <laughs> we'll do this. We'll do this at the rap party. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I love that. And then, of course, then you get that kind of what I did not expect, which was the whole double nebula thing and then yeah. nebula from 2014 picking up the nebula from 2019. Oh, not 2019, 2024 or something. Yeah. Um, but that was awesome. That was like, oh, my just, God. It just shows you how much Nebula has, like, grown as a character. That She's finally with, like, especially when she was with Tony on the on the Benetton, and she's kind of tending to him that she's been someone who's been emotionally and physically abused throughout her whole life. It's just, it's just shows how good Karen... Karen Gillan is in that role and the fact that she can play both sides of that character. It's still such a favourite role of mine and I just kind of mm. think um, to be able to play somebody, especially when you see the two next to each other and somebody who on the one side is so so angry and yes. you know, resentful and whatever and then another on the other side, somebody who still has that anger uh, but has managed to get at, get some love and have be open just enough to obviously we've seen her change in guardians of the galaxy volume two and all that kind of stuff but it's like and like you said looking after tony and stuff but to be able to play that character after all that like they're the same people but of course it's just that subtle difference because she's not necessarily happy and she can't be all snarky because she's still 
the, you know, she's still angry at the state of yeah. <laughs> the situation, you, but she's just a bit more open. And that's, I love that's that really bit when they're, when they're playing, um, like, you know, the, the, the game when they're going to play. It's a bit like, you know, table football yeah. when they're mm. playing. And, and she's like, I'd like to try again. And yeah. then she's like, you know, that was fun. And you can see you've got trying to like a little smile, like finally she's having, she's She's as relaxed as we've ever seen her. Yeah. It's, yeah. But it's so subtle, isn't it? And that's what's yeah, so... it's lovely. It's lovely. We haven't talked about Tony. Tony with his lovely daughter. Oh, my oh. gosh. She was perfect. If you could, you know, the most perfect little incarnation of her father. You, that... See that, you do see how, like, that moment when they go and visit Tony very early on... Yeah to even approach the idea of time travel and whatever. And when he's with his daughter, like immediately you realize, Oh God, he's now got a like, no. like, you, so, you know, of course, so Thanos is gone. The snap is done. There's no stones. But then at that point you're like, so even if they got the time travel, they, they can't just reverse everything. Cause he's got his daughter and they, he's, they're surely not going to just get rid of her. And of course that's his conflict. And uh, initially, and that there's that really beautiful sequence when he speaks to Pepper about, yes you know, almost wanting her to say, you know, don't do this, but she doesn't. And he knows he has to. Um, it pays off extremely mm. well as well, that conversation, uh, yeah. which we'll talk about. Um, yeah, no, I'm just saying, it's just, I just thought that was just very, without having to even say anything, you just get the weight of the situation and how that five-year gap suddenly complicates everything. It's yeah. not just a stylistic flourish. It suddenly makes everything a lot more, lot more complicated, in particular for Tony Stark, and that was great. I, um, I think it's also as well when the first words he says to Cap, when, he get, when they, he, they land at the compound, is, you know, he got the kid, and it's like, it's nothing about him. It's like his first reaction to Cap is like he got, you know, Thanos got Peter, mm. and and it's and it's it's just you know to see Tony in that moment, and it, it was his his main thing, his whole kind of intention for doing this, as well as he knew he would be, you know, it was for the others as well, of course, but it was always with Peter Parker in mind. And I, I just loved the scenes with him at home and with his daughter and when he's, you know, putting her to bed saying, I'm going to sell all your toys <laughs> if you don't go to sleep. And just that little smile on her face is so good with with the, the little girl who, who plays Morgan. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is just really good at mm. acting with kids. He's brilliant. And- immediately making us buy into that relationship within minutes. He does yes. the same thing in Iron Man 3. Um, and also the, the kid from Iron Man 3 makes an appearance. Um, so. Yes, I got that. I was so happy. I was one of the, like, I was like, I'm so happy. I know who this person <laughs> is. And there were articles all over, there are articles all over the internet talking about this mystery guest. I was like, you don't watch that film once a month? You don't know who he is? So for once, you know, I was, I felt it's quite... Um, so we, we <laughs> let's get into uh, the 1970s and uh, the moment the moment Captain America oh. not only saw Agent Carter herself oh. but also Jarvis from the Agent Carter. <laughs> yes, so happy! No. Finally got on the big screen. All the TV oh, shows so I've watched, all the TV yeah. shows I've watched, and it oh, comes to one cameo oh, yeah. from a minor character series. <laughs> he was brilliant. He wasn't. No, 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 no. Come like, on. 
I wish I was sat next to you, Sabina, for that moment. I was so happy. I've spoken to other people who were as happy as well. I mean, it it was just so good. And um, de-aged Michael Douglas was was quite Mm -hmm. something. (laughs) But yeah, John Slattery is always good. He's always great. And it was just that rapport between father and son was lovely. Um, Just Tony stumbling there. What's your name? You know, uh, uh, Howard Potts, you know. it was it was just I heard someone say when people were talking about best time to go to the bathroom during this movie, like you would, like you would even move from your seat. There were, there were many at my screening who did. Uh, just off on a complete tangent tangent for a moment, um, I've realized that I'm absolutely okay with people going to the toilet if they have to like get up in front of me to go to the toilet in the middle of a screening, but little rustling bags are possibly the worst thing ever. <gasps> We I we that had wrestling bags by the side of us throughout the whole of the movie entirety entirety for three hours. I, can't even, I don't even have, like I, yeah, mad because yeah. it's so. I think Insane. because it's so quiet for the first chunk of this film, like that's the point when everybody's going into their crisps, and I'm just like, you know, if I've got a bag yeah. like that, I'm like, oh, I have to stop and be like, you know what, I, I won't, yes. I won't have them now. You know, I'll, I'll save them to later. I can't. I just can't yeah, or oh, you open the quietly you try and take them out very slowly sometimes that's worse though because you can hear like the very slow crinkle (laughs) people buy us massive bags of kettle chips or whatever they were m&ms doritos everything crunch crunch crunch, the whole film (laughs) non-stop not even yeah it was insane that was my fault i was gonna go yeah i was gonna go do you mind (laughs) just shut up (laughs) but i couldn't obviously i would have got kicked out and i paid for these IMAX tickets <laughs> but um yeah I heard people saying yeah the title card for New Jersey is the best time to go to the bathroom it's like you've missed like a massive massive point in the film you've missed Steve look at seeing Peggy did you see on the door though before she appeared I did you see a you know it said Carter I could I, I just could knew it that. was gonna happen I just knew it's just yeah I, but you could see on the door yeah. it said like it was like to you know Tia, and um, obviously because he was inside, and I was like, "That's Peggy, that's Peggy." That's Peggy. And, I, was um, say, I, I, I saw the sign Carter, but then I saw the name Margaret next to it, and it was only this week that I, that I, that I found out that Margaret is another name for Peggy, um, and also Gretchen is yeah. another name for, for Margaret, for which is just it blows my mind. English names are very, very weird, um, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and no, just going going back to sort of your, your your previous tangent, both of those things would annoy me. And it, you know, I'm not sure if we talked about it on this podcast, but it really the, the discourse on, um, you know, Avengers Endgame is a three hour movie. Should we should, should I have intermissions and all sorts of stuff? It really annoys me, um, because you know I like film Twitter, but film Twitter arguing over runtimes for films they haven't yet seen is the worst subset. Of film Twitter. I think it was a lot of the people arguing hadn't had no interest in well, seeing it. Well, that's you know part of the reason why I hate it because I think you know the yeah. same people who will be mad all three hours for this movie. If it's a movie that they are really looking forward to, they won't complain a a a, a bit, which which really frustrates oh, yeah. me. The biggest reason why that annoys me is because I've watched three hour films like this one, which do not feel like three hours in the slightest. And I've watched 90-minute films, which have felt like three hours. Um, You you don't know Mm -hmm. until you you see the film and you see whether or not the film has justified its runtime. This film, thankfully, does that and balances 
the levity with the action with the dramatic in such a way that it does not feel like three hours whatsoever. I think it goes by quicker than Infinity War, which is 20 minutes um, shorter runtime. I think this one just flies by. You know, I've got a small bladder. I've got a really small <laughs> bladder. And I didn't even I didn't even find myself like thinking about it. Just I was go just to the like, toilet before yeah. you sit down. And you're fine. Yeah, just it's standard, fine. Standard cinema etiquette. I've a huge yeah. amount of side eye. Um thankfully nobody <laughs> Um, but in any case, um, we, so 1970s, we've, co- we've covered that, really. Anything more to say? Jarvis, obviously, was there, which was amazing. I just I um, want to say, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really great scene. And I love that it finally gives Tony closure. Um, because, um, you know, obviously in Civil yeah. War, the first time we see Tony is when he's using that ridiculous technology to reenact his final you know, moments with his mother and father. The and yeah, bath. Wait, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, bath with with him actually sort of having that conversation with his father is just really satisfying and again brilliantly acted by both Robert Downey Jr. and John Slattery. And um, mm. you can just tell that during that conversation that you know the, the way the way in which it ends. By the way, the, the, the Tony hugging uh, his his dad, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing who he is, is is, is great. But you, have, you you feel that sense of closure. You feel that that a little bit of a weight being lifted off. Did you th- did you think at that point were you like, yeah, Tony's going to get it? I kind of have been. I did know. I have I have been preparing myself. Should the anything happen to every one of the characters? Um, like like especially Nat. You know, I said before the film, if anything happens to Nat, Cap, or Tony, I will be inconsolable. And even though nothing kind of happened, even though Cap didn't meet as a, as tragic end, he had a very beautiful end. I was still a completely wrecked from it. So I was just. I was like, oh, Tony, come on, have your happy life. Go and live on your farm and grow vegetables and be happy. And just, I was really rooting for him because obviously I'm like a Tony um, apologist. So I, I was just like, oh, everything's working out for him. You know? <laughs> then I just, yeah, was just have cried for the past week. So, <laughs> yeah, which is the truth. But you, but you were saying, Amon, you weren't... Um... You you didn't you didn't you didn't think at that point he's going to get it. I I I'd never crossed my mind. I didn't personally. think that Tony would die until he has that conversation with Doctor yeah. Strange as the final act is done. Just like is 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 this the one? And Doctor Strange says, if I tell you what's going to happen, it won't happen. That's the moment where I was like, oh boy. Part of me is blaming Doctor Strange because of because of that, and so I was like, I'm blaming Doctor Strange. I came out there going, I blame Doctor Strange because he put that, out. you know, he knew. But um, I, you know, you you see that, and you've you've had a lot. I've heard a lot of people as well say it that Tony and Steve's roles at the minute. You know, we meet Steve; he's the one throwing himself on grenade, and Tony is living it up, and it it ends with Cap living live and tony being the one to sacrifice himself and you know i i heard a good justification which was you know that tony you know his the film ends with him like learning the lesson and being able to put others before himself and all that type of stuff whereas um captain america his whole Mm. life he's tried to do the right thing so he's been kind of gifted to have a full life and that freedom and that kind of stuff so you know i i I think that Mm. makes sense i think that works absolutely but yeah, um, so we'll, 
we get obviously the Thanos. Thanos then knows, and then he comes down himself. Thanos twenty fourteen. Thanos at that um, comes down, and uh, we see them put on the glove and make the snap. And Hulk flicks the clicks his fingers, and we see birds are back, and the phone oh. rings. That phone ringing, buzzing. Buzzing phones is like a new, like yeah. shorthand, isn't it, for all sorts of things in films? That that sound of a, mm. you know what I mean? Like it, it was a moment of, oh my god, like, it's so crazy how wonder, these kind of things become. So who's been paying the bill for five years? <laughs> the bill payer got the the network. Maybe someone at the network got stuck. You don't know. Give me that. <laughs> Free, yeah, free calls and texts, yeah. <laughs> but then you, but then it immediately, like, it, it, it's so funny how you've got these clear markers for each kind of third of the film, and then of course, oh, boom, that, that the enormous explosion decimates the Avengers base, and everybody is just like you know everywhere. All the you know you've got Ant Man and Rhodey and Hulk I'm underground. Gonna, I'm gonna call bullshit on that actually because there are a lot of sort of you know human. Super human heroes there with with more sort of superpowers to the, the uh, to discern, but everybody makes it out of those that massive decimation, as you call it, alive and unscathed and in fighting shape, which is a little bit bullshit to me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that did cross my mind when I saw it. I did think that's it, the point that they even made it out. But then, arguably, realistic. I mean, I guess no, nobody immediately died, and that would have happened. And it was just devastating to see that compound blown up. It was shattering. It was more than, I think it was more, it's, it's bad, it's Infinity War, we get some scale of it when the they're targeting Wakanda. But I think in this one, just with that sheer decimation, it was like, this, this is so finite. And it starts to hit home that this really, really is the end. And I think it's from then when they say, gosh, they've, yeah. they've Completely destroyed everything. Let us get into then the main the main battle. <laughs> we we have the three big guys against Thanos um in all their glory. Bang bang bang. Yeah. That's just magnificent. And then go on, Amon, tell yeah. us how were you how were you feeling when Molnino was just resting there and with that shot where you see Molnino kind of just hover up for a moment and we oh, don't we know who's got it. it. We knew who By had way. it. What I was gonna say is that even before that, how awesome was it seeing seeing Thor yeah. summon Mjolnir and Stormbreaker yeah. at the same time? Oh that, my god, that was ugh, yeah chills. Um, but yeah, nah, it was interesting because in the audience I was in, both times, I think audiences only reacted when Steve catches the hammer. As soon as I saw the hammer being lifted, I was losing. I had to like five seconds before anybody else on my screening did. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, as I predicted on this show and on Twitter a few months ago, Captain America is worthy and he does indeed lift me on there. And it isn't just the fact that he lifts it, but the way that he wields it in tandem with his shield is badass oh, to the yeah. power of badass times. It was very hot. As I um, implied, it would be very hot. And it was very, very hot. Yeah. yeah. It's it just awesome. And, you know, he's wielding the lightning. Um, and even there's yeah. so many beats during that fight. Thor, Thor charges Iron Man's armor. Thor turns Mjolnir into a bullet with Stormbreaker. There's so many incredible beats. Um, uh, the, 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 the goosebump 
moments in the final 30 minutes of this film. Um, it's impossible to list from memory because there's so many. Um, and it's just, you know, awesome, awesome to witness. So I had, I think this is the point where you could say the bits when you kind of teared up a little bit. I didn't, oh, cry, I didn't ultimately cry, but there were two bits where I got very, like, close to crying. The first bit was after they'd all come back, and it was, strangely enough, the moment when Ant-Man and Wasp see each other oh. for the first time since, and they just kind of give each other a little nod. And I was like, oh, God, you, you guys. <laughs> oh, I had already cried at Nat, but then I cry. I had already cried at Nat, and I'd already cried a bit when Tony and, and Howard. So I was gone by this point. I was just completely, you know. So when, um, when I heard, you know, um, Sam say, on your left, Oh god! And then T'Challa walks through, and then they're doing. He's doing the war cry. You know, thank you, (laughs) thank you. I wouldn't have done it justice when he's doing that, and everyone's coming back. I was gone. (laughs) I had just gone. And then obviously, Avengers Assemble. I got more of a cheer than that. But when they're all coming back, and you see, you see, you know, Peter come back. You see, you know, Wasp. When you you see, see when you see, when you see, what's the name? Valkyrie on that, uh, on that oh. Pegasus. Like. I, I, like when everyone was coming back, I was, just, and they're coming back through those like time portals. The doctor, yeah, I was just, yeah, gone by then. I, I was gone, and then this is like I hadn't even started fully crying. I, I was crying, but you know, gets worse. And then, um, <laughs> but then, you no, know, gosh, I was. You should watch this film with me. I'm great company. And um, yeah, and um, but then I mean. Okay, so that Avengers Assemble bit was awesome, awesome. But I want to talk about the bit that has been causing a bit of a debate, a bit of all the women characters together. Um, Okay, in my eyes, personally, I I see what they were trying to do. And I think it was more effective when, when Carol said to Peter, you know, you got something for me, you know, to pass on the gauntlet, like a, a sort of, you know, metaphorical way of saying, you know, it's in my this this franchise is kind of in my hands now. Does does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that never crossed my mind. That was nice. That was nice. But I think the bit with all the women together didn't call. It didn't start like the tit in in Infinity War. You have that lovely bit with Nat says she's not alone with in with um Wanda and then Akoyi is is there in the in the pit and they're both fighting Proxima. Do you know which way I'm on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was more goosebumply because I just thought that was a lot more effective than putting all these characters together on the screen because, you know, Wanda and, and Nat and Akoyi, they had all interacted together at some point. They had all been fighting there at some point. This kind of felt like they were just putting all the women on the screen Um like I wanted to like, it was just like yeah, here it is. I think, we're yeah, doing I think the they, thing which is right. Well, you know, the, the future of Marvel is women, which I love, but I think it was more I want to say it was more for a fan service thing, but personally for me, it just wasn't as powerful as it could have been. And I missed Nat. I think if Nat had been there, maybe it would have pulled together more. I don't know, but you really felt her absence in that scene. Do you know what? I I think for me, funnily enough, for me in the first instance, that was the second bit where I nearly teared up was that. But I say, yeah, but I say that um, when my wife saw it, she was like, 
this is so cheesy. She just thought, nah. And you know what? On uh, Slash Filmcast, Dave Chen said that his wife turned around to him and did like a vomit, like like when that happened. It does not play well to as many people. I mean, you're not alone there, Sabina. And yet I know personally that I was like, ooh, this is amazing. But that's not how everybody. But, you know, I really wanted it. I really wanted to feel it more than I did because in Infinity War, I was like, oh, my God. And I started crying at that bit. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Because, Mm. you know, you've got three badass women together, you know, and she's, you know, saying, we've got your back. But in this, it was like, well, you're putting Mantis together with Wasp and they've never interacted before on screen. And so we didn't have kind of their relationship as we had the other characters so for me it was a kind of just I wanted to like it more than I did you're not alone yeah. People yeah. That way. Yeah. and I, I think it I think it worked more saying you know hey you know with the gauntlet and saying Carol's got the gauntlet because she has you know kind of got the gauntlet now um the franchise is hers and I think just passing it to her was I think that worked it was more subtle and I think it worked more I think it was stronger, a stronger message there. What, what were you going to say, Amon? You were going to say something regarding that scene. I was just going to say, you know, really, the reason why it's not as powerful as it could be is because it's just, it's not organic. It's very, very, very clunky. It's mm. Very, very, very on the nose. It's very, it's very, forced, very forced. And, you know, I, I get what Marvel were trying to do, but, you know, it just doesn't doesn't quite work um, because, because of those reasons. It worked for me. <laughs> what, what, what about me, guys? <laughs> we love it. That's good enough. That's good enough. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I find it funny. Just like both times I watched it, I found that really powerful. But then I, I, I know that people think that it's funny. Um, so, what are the moments in that whole final fight before we kind of uh, get to the final like, wrap up bit, really? I like when when Peter was like, "I'm Peter," and when rescue. Can we talk about rescue? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, we, we, the, 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 it was, it's only last, it only lasts about three and a half seconds. But seeing Iron Man and Rescue fight back to back, insanely yes, cool awesome. moment. Um, but yeah, I've been waiting for Steve to say Avengers Assemble for a very, very long time. Mm. Again, it's a moment I predicted mm. on the show and on Twitter, uh, right again, and it's very, very, very satisfying. Um, and again, you know, I, I mentioned at the top of this podcast, but when they're doing that charge and when it pans out to show all the heroes on the ground, all the flyers up top, that is something that will never, ever happen again. It's just, it's rare when, I mean, I don't think I really fully caught this at the time, but we just watched cinema history unfold in front of our eyes. Um, I do think it's, it's, it's that it deserves that kind of stature. Um, so that was just is- incredible to see. Um, that that moment is great. I love the moment where Thor and Captain America swap weaponry. Um, you take the small one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Um, I love it when Black Panther takes the gauntlet from Hawkeye and goes and mm. that can crew. That's great. I love it when um, Wanda goes one on one against Thanos and is basically yes. his ass. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, right. I, I love it when Spider-Man takes the gauntlet from Black Panther and goes instant kill. Um, you know, it's yeah. just one incredible moment after another incredible moment after another incredible moment, and it's just fan service is a term that gets bandied about a lot in a negative light. But when it's done 
in and when it's executed in a smart, sophisticated, satisfying way, then it's a beautiful thing to behold. And Marvel have gotten better and better and better at doing fan service moments, and this is the ultimate payoff to all of that. Um, so it's just you know it's an, it's an all time ever scene, uh, or, uh, which is made, made about a thousand times better because of Anil Silvestri's incredible score, which we will definitely mm. get into before um, sort of we have that sort of final Iron Man moment. We get uh, a final team up between Thor and Cap uh, going up against Thanos. With Thor, with both Stormbreaker and Mjolnir again, which is just fantastic. It's uh, we, Captain Marvel Captain then Captain gets Marvel, in there. Yeah, as well, and the only way Thanos can beat Captain Marvel is by using the Power Stone. There, there's a beautiful moment where when Thanos tries to headbutt Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel yes. having absolutely none of it, um, which is great, and 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 Drew deservedly Drew uh, chuckles and whoops. And then we get that you know, the Doctor Strange lifts his finger up, and. And then, and then we know we know what's, what's about to happen at that point. It's a great moment. Yeah, yeah. it's just you know, go ahead to be now. I know that you're chomping a bit. No, 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 no. It's like I think it's exactly what you said. All those highlights. Um, I would have liked more of a rescue. I would have liked that just purely because that was me. I wanted more of that. I've been waiting for that for like. Yeah, you know, come on. Uh, it seems like that's yes. it. Didn't Qu- Gwyneth Paltrow's kind of said that she's kind of done she with the MCU? So always, she said, "I'll hard. be this guy's pepper pepper anytime he needs me." She <laughs> said on Instagram, so um, oh. which is sweet. Um, she did say she, she, you know, but obviously it's so final now. Um, but yeah, just that whole that scene with Thanos. You know, um, what does what does he say exactly? Well, I am it was, inevitable inevitable and just Tony you know those perfect perfect words you know and I am Iron Man just what a kind of uh, my feeling I I was listening to a podcast about the hands uh, and how did they switch the glove and how did he switch the things and my feeling is that Iron Man basically made two gloves when they made it and that's how he got him. I think it was. I think it was um, um, Thanos's the the gauntlet that was kind of destroyed that he put back on his hand. The original. But like, it's so quick. Yeah. I just thought he kind of just managed to just basically, rather than try and pull the gauntlet off, he just got the stones out. And because his his gauntlet, he basically made a second yeah. one for himself yeah. without us realizing, just in case he needed to do that. That was my my interpretation. But it was the one that he put on that Bruce had on to bring everyone back. It was that was like the Iron Man gauntlet, which is the one Tony wears when he snaps his fingers. So yeah, but yeah. it was just so quick. It was so effective. The fact that Tony has even gone to such lengths as to make that hologram video for his family means that to me, the way I read, the way I read it is that on some level, Tony knew that this could be a possibility. And then it was yeah. like when he said, think yeah. of this as a, you know, a celebration. And it was just, even in, in that moment, it was such a message to like the fans, you know, don't be, don't be upset. This is think, look at this as a celebration, you know, and, and that whole thing, you know, I love you 3000, which is going to become like a whole, a whole catchphrase now that a lot of people will use. Um, you can imagine future, future comic, like kid, people who are like kids now, well, like two two like kids, and they grow up. They'll like meet another person who's big yeah. into the movies as well, and that will be like their thing, and, and it'll be like on their wedding yeah. cake because you know, they don't even know it yet. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like that whole t- that 
that and just seeing um you know obviously the funeral and then when you know the the original art reactor that we see in Iron Man 1 proof that Tony Stark has a heart which was you know a very sweet touch and then obviously they go through all the characters including Harley from Iron Man 3 who I reckon is going to maybe be the future as we were saying on the previous I think that thing that hammering that we hear in the final the very end of the credits that mimics the hammering of in the in the cave with that Tony has you know when Tony builds things who knows that could either be him or it could be Morgan if Morgan might find a way to suit up not as Iron Man but as a because Iron Man is so interwoven with Tony and I don't think people would feel, I don't think they would want to, he's so beloved and I don't think people would want to replace Iron Man just yet. I do, I, they, they have released, like in Black Panther and Captain Marvel, they have released brand new characters which have made billions of dollars exactly. there's Iron uh, worldwide. There's Iron Heart so they can have. I don't... So I, but my point is, I don't think Marvel feel there's there's absolutely no necessity yeah. to have another Iron Man right. film right up. And I, I can't imagine there'll be any Iron Man stuff for, in Phase Four, um, you know. But they'll, I'm sure it'll come back in some form. But like, we got time. But I think even that speech, John, you know, that lovely little when John Favreau's talking to his. Um, to Morgan is like you know I'll get you know said you know what do you want cheeseburgers <laughs> you know which the line again as I was saying with the Burger King element in Iron Man One when Robert Downey Jr. is always credited they, that that cheeseburger from Burger King as as being the turning point for his life um, yeah. and he said yeah I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want kid <laughs> I just went you know I just started crying again and I'm sorry I'm feeling I'm welling up now and um, yeah I just I just <laughs> you, prom- you promised the fans yeah, tears Sabina I, 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 I am absolutely gone yeah I think it's it's it just yesterday was was quite a lot even the second time watching this film I, I cried even more than the first if that was possible mm. um, yeah just, I think a beautiful yeah. a beautiful end in which we'll we'll talk about now but um i don't want to say it was perfect because obviously tony dies but it was just it felt so right at the same time it was just a perfect conclusion all right so uh, sabina let's get into costumes what what did you find out this time about endgame obviously people are still avoiding spoilers so there isn't much in the way of I, I can find online um so it's more my own observations i just think um i just want to highlight that when we when we go to um new asgard and everyone's kind of in the cable <laughs> knitting it's very much of a, a fish, the fishing village i think is re- very much reflected in the argyle knit clothing which i think is a very nice um like a cornish town it looks to me as reflected by the sweaters um yeah. also we have that lovely um moment with korg and meek on the sofa and korg is wearing a pineapple <laughs> shirt the, and, and obviously korg is played by taika and taika did that one <laughs> he's been photographed i don't remember a couple of years ago wearing a pineapple onesie so that was a lovely oh. bit of like canonical um made the pineapple onesie his, his you know pineapple onesie canon he's put it on the it's on the character so i think that was just fantastic 
yeah, people have talked a lot about um, Chris Evans in, in shirts with rolled up sleeves, which, you know, no complaints from me. Um, Scott, you always get, you always get like um, Tony Stark is wearing kind of like leisure wear. And I think more than ever now, he's, um, you know, the playboy in his, in his penthouse anymore. He's like in, in casual clothes, which he, he has done for quite a while. Um, people say, you know, they don't like Nat's two-tone hair which I I know there's more makeup and hair um, than costumes, but I really like it. And I also think it looks like at one point she's given herself like a manicure, which I really like because obviously she's running a, a compound. She hasn't had time to have her hair tied and she hasn't, she's, you know, it, it's something that's her kind of state of, of, you know, worry and just her, busyness and just inability to kind of set you know you know when when because obviously in infinity war she's she's blonde and we see her you know bleach blonde hair from going from a red hair to a blonde hair it takes a lot of work and i like in this she's like you know what it doesn't really matter i'm just gonna let the, i've got too much to do this and, and oh, is it, i think it, uh, is it peter sorella on uh slash film he talked to the russo brothers he interviewed them and he talked about how like the decision to for uh captain marvel to have like a new hairstyle and a new kind of look uh when she when she's in this film and compared to the, the previous film and it, they kind of just said oh oh that's all in consultation with the actors yeah and so yeah. you can imagine scarlett johansson is obviously a crucial part of, of yeah. that process in terms of what she she thinks is appropriate for the character yeah, and i think i think it's nice as well that they allow the the, the actors to they to have some say and say well they don't do anything that they they feel is out of context or alien to their character um so, and I also want to say that the scene at Tony Stark's funeral, we see some beautiful, beautiful clothes there that's only momentarily, um, especially Denai Gurira, the most incredible black dress. Um, so the pineapple onesie, keep an eye out for that next time you, or just Google Taika Batiti pineapple <laughs> onesie and it's, and it's, yeah, it's worth Googling. All the rage, yeah. all the rage. Um, okay, uh, but the soundtrack is definitely one for the history books. Amon, tell us about Alan Silvestri's soundtrack. Yeah, for, uh, uh, Alan Silvestri knocked this one out of the proverbial park. Um, it is a sensational piece of work in many respects. I've spoken a lot about thematic continuity and the reusing and the reprising of uh, themes. Uh, this score, even though they're not, uh, so some of them aren't in the actual score. In the film, we hear the theme for Doctor Strange when the Ancient One comes on screen. We hear um, Twilight of the Gods, which is a track from Mark Muller's Bow's Thor of Agnumot score. We hear Captain Marvel's theme when she makes the entrance at the end in the final battle. We don't necessarily hear Ant-Man's theme, but we hear the style of, uh, the, uh, of the score um, when they head to the 70s. Um, and uh, obviously we hear the Captain America theme, Sylvester's own Captain America theme, and we get plenty of callbacks to both Infinity War and for Sylvester's work on the 2012 Avengers. And all of that works really, really well. Um, it's a really impressive blending of uh, those themes and in some, in some cases the styles. And it's also the most poignant and heartfelt scene, heartfelt 
a score of the entire MCU, bar none. It's not actually close when it comes to that. There's such a really, really great balance of sadness, hope, and triumph in multiple tracks. Sometimes it hits all three of those things in the same track. It's really, really impressive. Um, just to go through a, a whole bunch of tracks which have really stuck out to me. Totally Fine, which is what the album, what the score starts on, um, is actually a very peaceful, even more peaceful version of a track called The Real Hero, which is the standout track which plays in Tony Stark's funeral. And, and yeah, it's a really, really solemn, heartfelt, peaceful track. Totally Fine is initially The Real Hero, which comes at, obviously, the end of the score, is super emotional, even before you know the context in which it plays in. And it really, there's like three or four different versions of that theme in that track. And all of them are equally effective. There's one which is just piano. There's one which is just guitar. There's one which is stings which stir and build to, you know, an epic phrase. It's just an incredible piece of music. The one or the track, aside from The Real Hero, which is track 32, if you, in case you're wondering, um... The other track which really sticks out to me is, of course, Portals, which is the track which plays when the heroes return. And, you know, I've spoken before on this podcast about how really great scores can put you in the moment and can instantly make you visualize what scene is playing when this track is playing. And Portals and The Real Hero, those are tracks which, which when you hear them, you know exactly... You, you you remember what scenes you first heard them you first heard them in they're that memorable they're that epic and portals especially that 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 that's like that's that's like what the entire film has been building towards it's what the entire score has been building towards and it is super effective and it saves into the most bombastic rendition of the Avengers theme we've had to date and it really 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 works um you know Anna Silvestri the 2012 Avengers his, his, his work on that has got to go down now as probably the, as, as the most important score in the MCU um, for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but as I say, this is definitely the most emotional piece of work. And, you know, I could go on. There's um, there's a, th- that, that scene in which um, Cap um, sort of sees Peggy again for the first time in, 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 the, in the 70s. The, the sense of longing in, in the music is, is just incredible. You know, there's just so I've got a whole list of notes here, but in case you, you know, it hasn't been clear in what I'm saying, the score is really, really good, and uh, you should uh, listen to it post haste. But I would say, you know, don't listen to it before you watch the movie because the, there's a power that comes from hearing these tracks in the right in the context for the first time. On the side note, like if anybody's listened to this podcast <laughs> and has got this far and hasn't seen the film, very true, very what true. What the hell? What the hell, man? <laughs> 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 yeah no i'm I, I pick i was much more conscious of it on my second watch i think on the first watch you're sometimes just immersed in it but on the second watch i picked out those little bits from the other films and stuff and it it was so obviously i didn't notice that the first time it was seamless you know um and yeah yeah when captain marvel i remember that moment i was like oh and then her theme and it's great that they're clearly it's now prominent. Like, I can't help but think, I remember watching Avengers Assemble and thinking to myself, like, mm-hmm. why aren't they using any of the themes from the other films? Um, so it's great that they, they're in a position now where they openly and proudly use the themes uh, and intertwine them into the series, and that's great. 
Okay, the future of the MCU. But we're going to rank it in a moment, but like, let's the future. What's going to happen? I just want to say straight off the bat, I think Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be set before Infinity War. They've, they've confirmed that it's set after Endgame. I know. Yeah. Anna Pascal said that, but it doesn't... Like the, we've, We're living in a world where five years, like half the population have lost five years and just reappeared. Like that would be a massive Why thing. Why are they still in the same school? Like Ned and... Exactly. I didn't understand that. It's like we... And in all the footage of Europe, I mean, it seems fine. <laughs> there doesn't seem to have a five-year issue in, in Europe. Yeah. You know? I... We've only seen like a two-minute trailer so far. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I... I'm very excited by the fact that it's set after Endgame because it really gives through through Peter and through Nick Fury, we can see the impact losing Iron Man and to an extent or, and to and, and losing Steve Rogers will have on the world at large. Mm-hmm. And we actually initially thought that Endgame was going to be the culmination and going to be the end of phase three. It's been confirmed in recent weeks that Spider-Man: Far From Home is going to be the final film in Phase Three. It's going to be the button. See, but see, that, but see um, that, that's why I think that's why I think it's it can't all be set after Endgame because I kind of feel like that because that's why it's in Phase Three because it's not really you know completely. Possibly. I, mean, after I remember Endgame. when that's, I remember uh, when the trailer came out and people were saying, "Oh, you know, Peter's looking longingly at the suit that Tony gave him. Does this mean Tony is dead?" And at the time, I was like, "La la la yes. la 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 la." Don't <laughs> think about that. Um, I hope maybe it's set a little bit before, maybe some after. That might be quite nice to have. Like, maybe before maybe. and after. Um, I can yeah. see that happening, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to how Nick Fury fosters that Very relationship much. with Spider-Man. The, 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 one of my favourite sort of things is that relationship between Iron Man and Peter and, you know, it made the passing of Iron Man and those final goodbyes that, that much that's more heartfelt. What, as well. um, we, we, we didn't mention that um, there's a beautiful moment in that final act where, because remember in Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, Tony Stark fakes a lot, or he fakes a hug. And in Endgame, the, the hug is full oh, on and heart That was so lovely when he said, oh, this is nice. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you hug. But then that's why at the end when when, when Tony is dying and, and Peter says to him again, as he did in Infinity War, I'm sorry. And just like, oh, my God, that kid, that kid is just is so good. And just to see him that upset over, oh, gosh, that set me off as well. <laughs> Yeah. Steve Rogers, Steve yeah. Rogers. Do you think we'll see Steve Rogers, Chris Evans I again? I wouldn't put it past Marvel to surprise us at some point, bringing classic OG Steve Rogers back from, you know, the the past where he sort of stayed for like you know a future huge battle in the MCU. Like I would not put it past them to surprise us like that. That would be sort of ages down the line, you know, years down the line, deep into like phase four or five or whatever. But yeah, I, <laughs> I that's that's like you know a very far fetched geeky dream of mine. Um, so we shall see. But you know, I, I say that a couple of my far fetched dreams happened in this movie because I distinctly remember I don't know what episode it was on, but I distinctly remember saying that I have this geeky dream of Cap with the shield yeah. in one arm and the hammer in the other. 
And I remember you guys saying, no, no, I no, said, no. no. I said it was very hot. I didn't say no. I just said, yeah, that would be very hot if that was to happen. Yeah. I was all for it. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. But in terms of um, Steve Rogers, I... Mm, do you remember? Do you remember though when when they finished wrapping filming and they and Chris Evans was like that's it, you know, and then afterwards the Russo said, you know what, Chris Evans said he hasn't ruled out a return to to reprising the and it's like what the hell, are you, what's going on? So maybe he'll do like maybe there'll be like flashback scenes or some other like fill-in scenes in, in some capacity. Um, I don't think we'll ever see him as Captain America doing what he does to this extent again. I think that that is kind of it. Same with Robert Downey Jr. I think, you know, you never know. He might come in in kind of some sort of hologram, like hologram form. Who knows? Like, I, well, I, the, I, the thing is, is that for me, I believe that the MCU, they know, the Marvel Studios, they know exactly what they're doing. Up until, up until, this, up until this point, they have had film after film after film um, the vast, the first chunk not knowing whether it would work and so on, and then the second chunk having a certain confidence as they go. I mean, up and I think up until Guardians of the Galaxy, really, they were kind of constantly. You never knew how it would go, and it generally worked out pretty well. But since Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a certain confidence they can carry. Now, my feeling is is that this five year gap thing is going to be. A, it's going to be like a bit of a ground zero for uh, Marvel, and they're going to be able to use it in all sorts of ways. You could have a hero that has three films set in that mm-hmm. five-year gap, and that world could be like The Walking Dead with half the people not there and half of the... Yeah. You could have stuff like that. Equally, you could have films set before, and you could have mid-film a, a snap thing happen and you know what i mean to people like there's all sorts of stuff like we don't even know with regards to captain marvel i i reckon captain marvel's the three captain marvel films might be like all set before uh this one though I, i've heard another podcast they were like saying i think we need to now move on from captain marvel but i think the ronin stuff i think you could you could plot all that ronin and thanos relationship by proxy of the captain marvel films whatever would happen in them and i just think there's I think they're going to use this in all sorts of ways as a springboard to all sorts of weirder and wonderful ideas. You can imagine, what about the, the Loki TV series? Will that be basically where he went to with oh, the yeah. Tesseract oh, yeah. at that point? Where we, where, well, like, when that happened the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my God, Like, wow, how are they going to deal with that? And then it was weird that they just kind of went a completely different direction and effectively didn't deal with it. But I'll bet that Loki TV series will be potentially dealing with the consequence of that. And I think that apparently the Vision and Wonder series is going to be set in the fifties. Or oh, it's got a fifties feel, I think, is what it said. No, no, apparently yeah. it's going to be set in the fifties. I've heard. But, well, uh... I don't know. But it, 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 there's all sorts of things. But I think this this five year time period where not, where half the world is missing and the consequence of the fallout from that, I think that's. I think they're going to use that in all sorts of interesting narrative ways, um, which we will not even see coming. I guess in in a lot of instances. Um, and I think mm-hmm. Far From Home is the first example where we're all like, how is that going to work? And obviously they know how that's going to work. It's coming out in a month. They finished it. They knew what was happening in Endgame. They, 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 they had Endgame wrapped, like planned out when they were when yeah. Civil War came yeah, out. They saw- it, no, everybody in that room when they were talking about what Spider-Man Far From Home was going to be about, well, like, what, they all just didn't, they all were snapped at the same time. 
that will be resolved in some way, but I think they're going to do it all in these interesting ways, so it's quite exciting. Okay, let's go into ranking uh, Endgame in our Marvel series. Okay, so we've all seen Endgame uh, twice. Um, so though all lists are subject to change and you cannot hold it against us in the future. Mine changes okay. like after we, we stop recording. So just so bear that in mind. Solid. In many ways, Sabina's is void. Yeah. As soon as you finish this <laughs> Ignore <podcast>. mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to get a sense of where it's at, because I think this is where this gets really tricky because for all the love we have for yeah. this, to actually say where we would personally rank it and give a sense of actually the quality in comparison to i think it's quite a tricky thing um amon are, are you ready to go first i am ready i am ready uh, but okay. yeah i completely agree in that this is extremely tough to rank um and i was saying to you before we started recording um even though you know i love this movie um in many respects it is quite messy and you know, it doesn't have, it's not my favorite MCU movie, but it has my favorite uh, MCU moment. And maybe my favorite superhero moment in the genre period, which is that final, like that final charge with the entire catalog of MCU's heroes um, charging as one against Thanos' hordes, which is again, something which I don't think we'll ever see again. So with all that in mind, um, now I've also changed it from when we ranked Infinity War the other day and Captain Marvel. I don't know what oh, it's a cliffhanger. Um, it's a so cliffhanger. Anyway, <laughs> number one, Captain America Civil War. Number two, Captain America the Winter Soldier. <gasps> yes. <laughs> I know. First big change. Number three, number three, Black Panther. Wow. Number four, Avengers Endgame. Um, number five, Avengers Infinity War. Number six, Avengers Age of Ultron. Number seven, Avengers Assemble. Number eight, Guns of the Galaxy. Number nine, Iron Man. Ten, Doctor Strange. 11, Spider-Man Homecoming, 12, Thor Ragnarok, 13, Thor, uh, Guardians 2, 14, Captain Marvel, 15, and I'll stop there. All right. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not changing anything really about mine, uh, just placing Endgame. Um, I think I'm going to be kinder than I thought I was going to be, but I do think this is a very difficult one to rank because I think it's not an easy one to embrace on a rewatch. Whereas I think we're still processing it in some capacity. Oh, yeah, without, without a doubt. We're, yeah, without a doubt. But I just kind of think that's the rewatchability of this. I'm not convinced. I think we're right now in the moment of like everybody excited about it. We've rewatched There's all this new stuff and the newness kind of is so overpowering, but um, anyway, I'm going to rank it. So uh, very quickly, I'll just, yeah, like Amon did, I don't like the 15 or something. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say one civil war, uh, two Avengers assemble, three, a black Panther, four winter soldier, and I'm going to say five Endgame. And I think that's pretty kind because I'll show you where I considered putting it before. Um, six Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, seven Thor Ragnarok, eight Captain Marvel, nine I was considering putting Endgame there. Ooh, interesting. Um, and then it would go Infinity War, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Avengers Age of Ultron, Spider-Man, Homecoming, Thor. Anyway, um, 
I will, I'll put, I will share this on Twitter uh, if, if anybody is more curious about those bottom ranking ones. But yeah, because ultimately, like I said before about Captain Marvel, like Captain Marvel, I find fun. Thor Ragnarok, I find fun. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I find a lot of fun. Um, so they're ones which I know I could rewatch in a heartbeat. But I right now, I do appreciate there is a achievement to Endgame, which I really embraced and I really did enjoy. And my excitement about watching it, especially on the second time, was really right there. I was so excited about watching it, literally two days after watching it before. So we can't just I can't just ignore that uh, and say, oh, it's not rewatchable, but yet watch it within 72 hours, a second time, a three-hour film. That's impressive. Um, but so so I don't know. That may, might fluctuate, but at the moment I've put it in fifth position with terms and conditions. <laughs> Sabina, what about you? Because my rankings, I have like numerous ones at the top. And um, I am I am very inclined to put it at or near the top. Um, because wow. I just felt it was the one I've kind of, as we've established, like my top 10 in interchangeable order are more or less the Winter Soldier Avengers Assemble. Some of them joined places because I can't I can't rank things. Um I love the Winter Soldier, I love Avengers Assemble, I, I love Iron Man 3, I love Iron Man, I love the first Avenger. I Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying I'm not kind of I'm not as warm on Guardians as many people are. I prefer probably Ant Man to Guardians, so um even in that respect. So at the minute it's it's quite high for me it's it's one of the high you know I wouldn't have thought I would have put it in as high um and even though it's weird to say that I want to put this high because it it essentially kills off one of my favorite ever characters um it's so it's so difficult when it's so new so I I think that's the reality because I suspect uh, with yourself, Amon, dropping Infinity War a few places was after watching it the other night prior to Endgame, yeah. and I maybe think and thinking personally, you know, I preferred it to Endgame, which I prefer Endgame to Infinity War. Sorry, um, and I used to I used to say Infinity War was one of the best, but you know what's also swayed my opinion when you I've started. <laughs> this is how much I love the MCU. I've started rewatching them again. <laughs> And I, watched, get, I, I am I'm at a point now where I'm like going to have a no, detox I've for probably about Iron Man, four years. I've watched The Incredible Hulk. I've watched Iron Man two, I which I thought was hilarious. I think probably in light of Endgame, it was. Sabina, do you know? I yeah. think I think you should do a podcast. I on should, it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just I think I just don't want to, I just don't want to leave them. You know, when I think that's the problem. Um, I like this. You put it right, top tier, I, next I, to. Thereabouts, Winter Soldier and Avengers I think, Assemble. I think, yeah, I think it does a very good job. I think it's, a, I think it, it's, and there are, there are plot, there are holes in it. There are holes in in every film we can say, but I just felt there was something incredible about it. That wrap, that 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 wraps up our uh, our our twenty two. And like Pepper said to Tony, you can rest now, and we can rest now because we've done we, them. We can rest now, yeah. but I'm definitely going to go for a detox now. I think I'm going to try and immerse myself in some um, classic cinema from the forties. <laughs> you can do both. I've watched. I've I spent. French you can do waves. both. I, I spent a week watching <laughs> classic movies in Hollywood, and yeah, and then I saw Endgame. You can do both. 
That's so <laughs> Not me. I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'll be bogged down in these shield things and all this stuff, and my God. Um, but anyway, um, where can people find, for the last time, where can people find more of your work, Sabina? I'm on Twitter at Sabina Stent, and you can find links to my work there. And you can, like, talk to me about the MCU, send me, like, yeah, cool gifts. And just generally, we can all... We can all go through the process of of ending this together, <laughs> which we all need a little compassion. <laughs> this is it. Um, and Amon, what about you? Where can we find more of your work? Uh, I decided to follow Don Tudor's advice and um, take a trip through the quantum realm to a baby Trump. And uh... Uh, <laughs> that's grim. That's grim. <laughs> Uh, no, you can find me on Twitter at a woman. My pinned tweet right now is my summer blockbuster a montage, which is awesome. Oh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can watch that, like that, subscribe to that, etc. Wow. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Screen Insight, um, and the at Marvel Rap, I guess, will still exist. And I'm sure when the time comes, <laughs> when the time comes, we may talk about. It. Maybe in ten years, we'll do another. 20 episodes on the next bulk. Uh, Thank you very much. And uh, we'll hopefully speak to you soon. Bye.